0: welcome to chats with susan burrell and that's me i help strong capable women who have pockets of self-doubt access their inner wisdom and clarify their own truth chats with susan burrell is where we have rich conversations about empowerment radiating your brilliance out into the world and loving yourself more than you ever have before and who doesn't want that so let's get started so uh, I am so grateful to be speaking to this uh, author, speaker, and coach who has a book called True Love, True Self, Barbara Doust. Barbara, thanks for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Susan. It's a pleasure.
0: I, I I have chills. I can't even believe I have chills right now. When we first met, there was like a soul connection when we looked at each other that, for me at least, I was like... Oh, I want to know this woman. I want to talk to this woman. And this woman has a huge value she's bringing to the world. And I didn't even know what you did. You know, I had no clue. And um, so share with everybody a little bit about what you do.
1: Okay. So, well, currently.
0: Mm-hmm. this iteration <laughs> of life. <laughs> I am a
1: thinking into results facilitator with Bob Proctor's company. Proctor Gallagher Institute and I have mastermind groups where we come together for three months and I help them realize big goals and stretch goals. It's called a C-type goal. We don't look at something that you know how to do. Um, We look at what is something that scares and excites you at the same time.
0: I'm wrinkling my nose going, oh no, don't make me do it, Barbara.
1: Yeah, yes. And, uh, and through that process, people discover what their paradigms are, you know, which Mm. is related to their patterns and their programming and their habits that get in the way of them having the success that they really truly want in their lives. And then we also work a lot on self-image because self-image, when you increase your self-worth, you'll increase your net worth and that the whole concept of self-image is something that you know, people are not even aware of, they're not even aware of how they talk to themselves, what they think of themselves, that innermost dialogue that's really running the show because it's the subconscious mind that is now neuroscience is showing it's it's controlling about 95% of our behavior. It used to be, you know, 88% of our behavior. It's now they're showing it's about 95% of our behavior.
0: What, now, why do you think that's going up? Because that's an interesting little stat you just threw in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's going up
1: because, you know, people are becoming more unconscious.
0: Oh, ouch. I really was kind of hoping and praying and praying and hoping that people are becoming more conscious.
1: Yeah, I think there's a tribe of people that are becoming more conscious. Mm-hmm. But I think with the advent of digital. yeah. Um, cell phones and media and gaming and that the mind is checking out and so there's instantaneous reward that people are having
0: and as a result of that they don't have to think right and so then any healthy neurosynapses that want to grow and expand are kind of being put on hold or atrophying is that kind of what's happening
1: yeah there's like there's they're even showing in neuroscience where there's less brain activity in certain areas of the brain due to video gaming. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the synapses are getting lazier, even with computers, you know, I've been searching for me, a lot of my interest has been science-based because I have to find out the science behind everything, the nanus and the quarks and pro, you know, the particles and atoms, before I jump into believing anything and having faith. Right. So, you know, I've done a lot of research and a lot of investigation into how the brain is different from the mind. And you know, and I've been investigating little things like, well, you're supposed to write out your affirmations or you're supposed to write instead of use the computer. And I've been like, why? I was just that kind of kid who always went, why, why,
0: why? why? Me too. My mother used to say, every other word out of your mouth is why, stop.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why we're doing what we're doing.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so what, what did you out. find?
1: So you- I found that when you're using a computer to write, you know, your affirmations or a script of your life, you're firing off about, you know, 800 um, synapses or electrons and that are connecting from your fingers to your brain. Uh Uh-huh. But when you're actually writing, it's about 8,000. Whoa, whoa. There's like such a significant difference To the functions, you know that when we're doing things by hand versus letting things do things for us.
0: Wow, you know that that is astounding to me, Barbara. Because you know, in the public school system now, they're doing away with children learning how to cursive, write cursive, you know, because they are using uh, computers, and that's scary.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: that's scary.
1: Or even if you even think about before computers, if you were to go and ask anybody if they had a goal, uh-huh. right, they probably wouldn't even be able to tell you if they- Before computers. Yeah, before computers.
0: And why and is th- that?
1: Even if you, because most people don't, aren't goal oriented or think about their goals, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, they're just doing what they're told to do. Right. Right. And that's kind of based on the educational system. And, you know, we're trained to be followers. We're trained to, you know, be in the system. And then if you were to ask somebody, do they have their goal written down? So even before there were computers, most people would say they didn't even know what their goal was. And if they did know what it was, they hadn't written it down. Uh huh. Right. And so when we write things, writing leads to thinking and thinking leads to imagery. And imagery leads to emotion. And emotion is what's creating action. And with action, we create reaction. And so these are concepts that go way back to the Masons, right? And to the brotherhood, and to the elite. And if you ask anybody who's become highly successful, they've got journals and writing and writing and lots of writing, you know, by writing down their goals, writing down a, a script of their life, writing down who they intend to be, you know, and because all of this is firing off synapses in the brain.
0: Uh huh. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I I used I was an avid journaler from the time it was introduced to me when I was like sixteen in an English class, and but my journaling, and this is something I want everybody to to know, my journaling became about the garbage in my life, and so then what happened? It was an it became the the um rut in my brain, because every time I sat down, it was just going over and over the garbage. And I had to intentionally stop journaling for a while and reset, what was I going to journal about? Instead of keeping me stuck in the, the ugliness and the unhappiness of my life, I wanted to have a happy, loving, fun life. And I had to reset, what do I write about?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, because like if we've
1: got over, it's something like 70,000 random thoughts running through our heads every day. Most of those thoughts are thoughts we've had the day before.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> so the past is just running rampant through our, our present.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> You know, and so, and it's all frontal lobe activity, right? Mm -hmm. And so most people are focusing on the past. They're either focusing on the past or on the future. And when they're focusing on the future, they're not necessarily focusing on a bright future.
0: Okay. Now let's tease that out more, Barbara. I I want everybody to hear why that is, not focusing on a bright future.
1: They're not focusing on a bright future because the brain is hardwired to be about 85% negative. Okay. And why that is, is because the brain is hardwired for threat. Okay. Okay. So it's looking for threat, which means potential danger, which means survival mode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Most people are living in what's called a sympathetic nervous system, which is high gear, you know, high in beta state, fight, flight, or freeze, Mm -hmm. right? Adrenals, cortisols are running through their bodies, stress levels. I mean, again, stress is the number one contributor to chronic disease. Yep. And so when the brain is seeking threat, it's using past experiences to say, this is potential danger. This is potential danger.
0: Does this look like that? Does this look like what I went through? Oh my God, what do I need to do? exactly and so
1: you're projecting right a negative future as
0: well so, so in, in 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 many ways then by projecting that negative future which is uh, uh, you begin to build the foundation for uh, a negative future
1: that's right because what does worry get it just gets more worry right and you're planning you're pre-planning your future Mm -hmm. So your thoughts that you're thinking now are just pre-paving your future.
0: Right. Oh, I love that phrase. Yeah. And and I want to pre-pave my future with freedom and happiness. That was a a, a mashup of happiness and opulence. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. I want to (laughs) have the best life ever and who doesn't? Right.
1: Right. And so subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between the past the present or the future, Mm -hmm. right? Everything is present. That's all it knows, Mm -hmm. you know? So why not be present? And why not in your present moment, put in the images and the pictures of what you want, right? Right. And through that, that's going to start to reprogram. Neural pathways will shift. There will be, you know, it's called neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. You develop new neurons, you develop new pathways. And as a result of that, Once you start to internalize and emotionalize, you know, immediately fear, doubt, and worry are going to try to attack because old neurons, the old patterns are in fear of dying. Correct. And they are, they're going to die if you keep giving attention to the new desire, but most people get caught up in the overwhelm of the fear, the doubt, the worry, otherwise known as anxiety, and, you know, and I say to people, as they're climbing a mountain, if you want to get to the top of Mount Everest, there's going to be obstacles. Yes. But most people hit the obstacle and they go back down to the foothills.
0: Right. You know? Which is so funny because those people that do get to the top of all those different mountains that they really like to climb, I'm never doing it ever, mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. but, you know, in the physical realm they, they overcome so much adversity to then be the person that stands at the top of that mountain going, I did it.
1: That's right. That's and right. So
0: many, so many, like you said, we hit an obstacle and it's like, oh my God, I must not be, you know, in the kind of new thought world. Oh, I'm not supposed to do that. That's not my path. You right. know, and people make up the story. Oh, God must mean I'm supposed to do something else. No. What if it's just that that was a speed bump and you just have to watch where you're going.
1: Yeah. Well, I call that a paradigm, you know, mm-hmm. so that it's some people will use it as a spiritual bypass. Yeah, but it's really a paradigm and what people aren't understanding is that their neural pathways are stuck in grooves of mm-hmm. programming, right? Called patterning. And no two people will ever be the same, so there cannot be comparison. There can only be inspiration because you know, you could be in the same family, but you don't have the same friends. You don't have the same teachers. You don't have the same experiences. Your patterning and programming is going to be completely different. Your set of paradigms are going to be completely different than the next person's. And there will never be anyone that you can compare yourself to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing that you brought that up because I, I'm um, a uh, bi-monthly breakfast with two women that we're friends and I, we just all adore each other and very we're all each of us very wise in our paradigm and we share our paradigm our ideas with each other and it's so interesting there's that heart place where i feel like we're all one right yeah because i love them so much and they love me but when i when i listen to their experience it's nothing that i've experienced it, yeah. and i can't i can only have compassion for their experience i can't you know we can't always understand someone else's path to, no. uh, in life no but we can be connected in in love and compassionate kindness i mean that might be redundant compassion and kindness but anyway and <laughs> and, and, and and still hold each other in, in a space where the individual gets to be more of who they are, which is the work that you're doing, it sounds like, Barbara, that helping people set goals and stretch them and move beyond their fear factor and, and begin to heal past
1: schmutz, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Ab- to be the best version of who you can be. It's really a process of, you know, who am I becoming? Mm-hmm. So, and you hear it all the time. And the, I think like a big missing link people will say it and they speak it on an intellectual level in order to really create in your outer reality you've got to fuse with the the dream you've got to become they say you know you've got to become it before you have it mm-hmm. you must start feeling successful now before you will bring success you must start yes. acting the part you yes. know. And most people understand that concept that you really can't manifest in the outer world unless you feel it, because it's not the thinking that gets you there. It's the thinking that leads to the feelings that yes. gets you there. Yes. But most people will say they don't know how to access the feeling place.
0: Isn't that interesting? And you know, when I was going through a very contentious divorce, and I, I'd been doing all my own inner work for close to 20 years. But when I went through divorce, I, I found that I had no access to my emotions because I had shut them down or built a wall to protect them. And I was so disconnected that when the emotion would start to arise, I would either get dizzy, like dizzy for 15, 20 minutes, or I broke out in hives.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was all suppressed rage and fear. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's the whole thing is that if you suppress your feelings, mm-hmm. it's going to lead to anxiety and anxiety is not expressed. We don't go around the world going, Ah
0: <laughs> Right? Right. Unless no. you're chicken little and then no, you, you run around going the sky's falling, but yeah. <laughs>
1: right. And if you keep suppressing, then it leads to depression. And mm-hmm. depression leads to disintegration, you know, which is mm-hmm. apathy, which is then leading to what's called dis ease. Yep. Right? Yep. So, yep. So you know, and then
0: we have all sorts of autoimmune disorders that are showing up in the world right now. And people, I, I can't, it's, it's like, you know, in, instead of saying, you know, I've, I've got this great thing, I got this beautiful purse at Macy's, or, you know, they walk around going, I have an autoimmune disorder. Yeah. Everybody wants to compare their autoimmune disorders now. It's yeah. fascinating to yeah.
1: me. Yeah.
0: And everybody has one, it seems like, you know, unless it's just the people I hang out with, which is kind of crazy, but, um, (laughs) so, so I, you have a story, you have a story that informed the book that you wrote. Yeah. True true love, true self. And, and, and I can feel, um, I get chills just. So would you share a bit of your story and what, why that led you to what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, uh, Well, I wrote the book in 2011, Mm but essentially my whole life, I was, I started out as a young actor Mm -hmm. and, um, and then in my early twenties, I became a director and I had a theater company, um, with my husband in San Francisco. And, um, and then like about in my early thirties, I, uh, got a master's at UCLA in directing. Mm. And then I became the acting coach to the Olsen twins. Oh yeah! And I worked with them for ten years, and, and just loved it. it was really, um, and I also had a, an acting academy for young professionals. A lot of my babies are doing very well, um, but I realize now that I wasn't teaching them how to act as much as I was teaching them mindset which has always been um, my interest anyway. And then two months before my 25th wedding anniversary, my husband died suddenly.
0: Oh gosh, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And um, and that was, you know, he was diagnosed with fourth stage lung cancer, May 5th and gone three weeks later. Wow, honey. And that was where it was like my whole life capsized. And... Um, you know, it really, the change was so drastic for me that I went on a journey to try to understand why change was so complicated. Mm-hmm. Why is change so difficult? Why is it that we say we want change, but we resist change? Mm-hmm. So my journey has really been, um, that's been part of it, is the quest for that answer, as well as I had to lose the love of my life to find out I didn't know how to love myself. <gasps>
0: Oh my goodness. Did everybody hear that? That's like, and I imagine that there are many people that feel that way.
1: Many people. And, but the other side of that was I didn't, if somebody came up to me and said, before that happened, you don't know how to love yourself. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, Hey, I'm doing fine. Yeah. I'm just fine. But when I lost my other half, everything in my world, we had been together since we were 19. And my adult self only knew um, that my value, it was, he he reminded me of my value. Oh. You know, and I was very independent, didn't think I was, you know, in a codependent relationship. But without him, I was lost, I was stuck, I was confused. Um, Everything that I knew about myself just kind of vanished. There was Mm -hmm. confidence was gone. I couldn't even look you in the eyes. I mean, I was so devastated by my loss. I was actually I I came to understand that I had situational PTSD because I saw him die in front of me. Oh goodness. And I witnessed a lot of things that no one should witness their loved one going through. Yeah. And um and then right about a year after that, as I started to get on my feet. And what most people don't understand is that when somebody is grieving there is a depletion of serotonin mm-hmm. and you know, it's your happy factor, right? You're happy. Right. And so people are saying things like move on or put a smile on your face or, you know, um, It's, it's time to write a script about it. And and it's kind of like, what, what you're, you're dealing, not only are you dealing with bills to be paid and like getting your car washed and, you know, even like trying to drive a car because your whole cent, my whole central nervous system was in utter chaos. Yeah. And, um, and so it was like, I I, I was literally a puddle on the floor. I started picking myself up and then I found my mother-in-law dead. Oh, goodness and um and then was kind of like re-traumatized and then my father died my best friend died and my brother-in-law died jumping out of a plane and his parachute didn't open
0: oh my gosh this is
1: like horrible it was just like I was really hit upside the head and uh so that was like five and and the kid diving with my brother-in-law also died and it hit yeah. me the news and um so I was just in a state of nothing makes sense, the world doesn't make sense, and um, spiraling into, you know, a downward spiral, really, until I started noticing that my, my idea and concept of love was loving your family and loving your husband, hmm that's and I was always compassionate and I was always kind and always caring I was a teacher for so many years I helped a lot of people I served a lot of people but I didn't really deeply understand the concept of we're all one yeah you know yeah and that love is it, it goes beyond yeah. and a lot of my so-called friends disappeared because I had always been so positive and now they didn't know this monster that was in front of them who was just in a, you know, big, deep negative state of mind, And, um, but then there were people who surfaced that started demonstrating love to me that was exceptional and doing things for me. I had to learn that it was okay to ask for help.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm raising my hand. Me too.
1: Right. Um, I had to learn that I didn't have it all figured out on my own. Mm -hmm. And I had to let myself you know,
0: really be vulnerable. Vulnerable—the V word. That v word. It's a pretty big. That's a big experience when you can become vulnerable. Yeah,
1: yeah, and be open to receiving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and learn many lessons through the kindness of others, and started to understand. Really, Susan, honestly, I was checking out. You yeah, know? and but the kindness of these people, I felt obligated to live.
0: I'm really glad that you chose that.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Because your yeah. journey coming out from that deep well of continual grief, I would imagine, Barbara, is, is something that is, will be, is I know it already is, inspiring to so many other people because whether it's a, a, a multiple loss like you experienced or even a divorce or a job loss, it, yep. like you said earlier, we, our paradigms are all individually unique yep. and it hits us all differently. And so for you to, to, to really choose to move forward again and to be, a, a, well, I'm going to say be a light in the world and to live life is you know, you're one of the beacons now. And I so appreciate that. That's what I think when we first met, that's what I was connecting to is just that, you know, because it's a deep, for many, for many women that have not been taught that they need to love themselves first. And we've all been taught, our generation was taught that to be a wife, a mother, um, you know, to take care of the family because that's what women do. Mm-hmm. And yet there's a whole nother part of ourselves that women were not educated on or not, it wasn't modeled on how to also be an empowered person right. within ourselves. And, and to me, empowerment means loving ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Totally. And when I, It's so funny when I start working with clients and I tell them that you've got to love yourself first and that's the work to be done they, they, they immediately go, well, I don't want to be selfish. Yeah. And there's still that, that background, uh, paradigm or, you know, running system of loving yourself first m- must mean you're selfish. And that's, that's not true. Right. Not true.
1: Not at all. And it's also, you know, discovering that, you know, because most people, the way we're taught is seeking approval on the outside. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so once you start to look at, well, it's really about approval on the inside first, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and from there, I went into a spiritual psychology program at the University of Santa Monica. And uh, I was still really, I was just starting to get in touch with anger. It takes me a long time to get in touch with my anger. And, uh, but when I was there, I started to, you know, connect more to my anger, And, uh, and did some very good healing work. And then I certified as a law of attraction coach in a program where I wasn't doing it to become a coach. You know, I was doing it to heal myself. exactly. (laughs) And then we had to start working with people and I started working with people and I was like, holy crap, this stuff works. Yeah. You know, people are getting results and it's faster. Um, and therapy I believe has its place. You know, and I definitely um, am and grateful to the therapy that I had. Um, but as far as moving forward, when I started doing this program, I, I started going, "Oh, I'm I'm picking up my step. I'm picking up my step." And um, and then it was that that led me to Bob Proctor and Bob because I was starting to create a coaching business, but I didn't have the the mindset of an entrepreneur and and coach, a business person and healer. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was working with Bob that brought together spirituality and business and the combination. And so it's really, you know, it's not just dream it, sit there and meditate and it's going to come. Right. Right. There's some action steps that have to happen. Yeah. There's some action steps. And so I wrote my book in 2011, more because I just had a burning, I wrote it in a weekend. Cool. Cool. And then I wrote another, like I wrote 75 pages in one weekend and then I wrote 75 pages in another weekend and it took me a year to edit it. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it was kind of like I had to get off, get out. It was, it's more the legacy to my husband, my late husband mm-hmm. and the journey that got me to where I'm at mm-hmm. and how that, and the first part is kind of like the story of how, um, I was so much in love, then I lost the love and lost so many other people. And that what I learned through that, and then the second half of the book is are are all the processes in moving forward, such as, you know, um, visualization, scripting, you know, working with contrast and clarity. And so I just share a lot of processes, personal affirmations, my personal affirmation that I learned in my first year of uh, the, the master's program in spiritual psychology was the the magic that helped me start to connect and look at people in their eyes. Are you willing to
0: share that with us?
1: Yeah. It's, I'm genuinely sharing loving kindness with myself and others as I revitalize hope and raise conscious living for the highest good of all.
0: Oh my God, I just got chills. Oh my God, that's just beautiful. Thank you. That's beautiful. What started happening was that,
1: I used that affirmation for a long time to guide me to make decisions. Like I would say, anywhere I have to go, if there's a choice between one or two places, which one brings me more joy, which one brings me the opportunity to revitalize hope, which one is loving kindness, which one is raising consciousness. And that just guided me along with a lot of um, signs. I just started listening to energy and signs and synchronicities, and that's kind of now the way I live my life is just being guided by energy mm-hmm. and, and listening and listening. Yeah. And what started to happen as I kept saying it over and over, I knew that the loving kindness was for me first because I'm a recovering perfectionist. Oh yeah, me too. Right. And the self judgment was so extreme, almost killed me. Almost killed me. And um, and then people were like coming up to me out of the blue, just saying. Hi, I'm so and so. You look so kind. <laughs> oh, you know, or I'd be at a a cash and the the cashier would say, I want to give you a a bigger discount. And I'm like, but it's already 50% off. And they'd say, Well, I want to give you my employee discount. And I was like, Oh, really? Why? And they well, because you look so kind. <laughs>
0: It and was it, working. It was working. It <laughs> was working.
1: You know, and um, and that led me to create and design my own affirmation vessel. Great. Which, you know, you put in, because I wanted to wear the affirmation close to my heart and be reminded of it. Because, listen, to this day, I'm kind of going like, I teach this stuff, I live in this stuff, and I forget.
0: Oh, gosh, we all do. Yes. I, yes, I... I so I have a, a book coming out called Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. And I have a 52-card a affirmation deck of empowerment affirmations that I wrote. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I dropped into self-doubt. And oh, my God. Oh, yes, yes. So I decided I would start practicing what I'm teaching again and yet again. And so every day I pull... Uh, one of my cards and wait, I got to see where the card is. Um, (laughs) So today I pulled, I release, oh, this is interesting. I release any shame that may be keeping me stuck. Any past mistakes or misconduct that has the gooey stickiness of shame is dissolved as I face it and watch it move back into the no thingness. I am free to live and love my life. Yeah. So it shows up, right? Yes. Yeah. So so yes. we all, even though we practice this all the time, we just yep. have to keep practicing it all the time.
1: Well, let's see. I just pulled one of yours out. Ooh. It says, when you stop fighting the truth of what is happening, relax and let go of fear. There's much more calmness and clarity of mind. This is when the answers can easily be seen and found.
0: And Howard, whose quote was that?
1: Howard Falco.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. He's a great author.
1: Yeah. 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 So, and the quote that I've come to coin for myself, and I would love your feedback on it, is um, you you don't know who you really are, Mm -hmm. and you probably never will, until you discover the parts of yourself you haven't yet met.
0: Oh, my God. Again, I got chills. Yes, I love that. There's a lot of truth, you know. I for everybody, uh, I'm an energy and intuitive healer, and so when I get chills, it's because that I hear truth, right? And I think everybody they get chills or or something that vibrates in their body that goes, okay, listen to this, pay attention to this. Yes, and that's that's great.
1: Yeah, the parts
0: of yourself you haven't met.
1: That's right. That's right. I was just at, um, I was a facilitator at the matrix in Toronto. It's a big event that Bob has. Um, that's a week long event and there's people from all over the world and there was a 70 year old woman at my table. And I just said, so what is it that you really, really want? And she just, you know, took a minute and she said, you know, Barbara, I really want to know who I am.
0: Mm, Yeah. Don't we all don't we all. And I think that's the journey of life is to really know who we are and, the gift of life is to get to learn it with amazing people, whether it is a spouse or an acquaintance.
1: Exactly. And I think that with the work that you're doing and where I feel in alignment as well, is that I knew when I lost my husband, I wasn't in my truth. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was highly critical of myself. I knew I was being run by, you know, circumstances and conditions outside myself. I was run by seeking approval outside of myself. And it became my passion as I grew to help anybody who was not in their truth.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I I understand that pain so well.
0: And when you can, uh, when you are able to tap into your own personal truth did you feel, um, how did you feel? Did you feel more whole or?
1: Well, I just started to accept that life was a process rather than having to make anything perfect,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that you know, perfect doesn't get done. So then I started to live a little more courageously, you know, yeah, instead of, you know, instead of like directing it, yes, trolling it, yes. And, navigating and trying to distinguish the the thing that's fascinating to me about emotions is that what a lot of people don't understand. I didn't understand for the longest time is that we can be in an emotional state. That's not a true emotion. It's an addictive state. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. That goes back to the neurosynapses. Constantly running on a loop that we can interrupt and reset. That's right. And so if we wake up with anxiety in the
1: morning, you know, but there's really nothing to be anxious about. It's just our thinking that's creating it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not a tr- real feeling. Right. Right. You totally know, get it. And so it's always a process of, you know, distinguishing between the truth and what's not the truth. And so I think that the problem, why it was so hard for me, uh, the change that impacted my life was because I had never been depressed in my life. I hadn't been bullied or I hadn't gone through harrowing experiences. I did have one serious experience when I was 16 and almost lost my life. I was attacked and almost lost my life. And that had great impact. But I, I didn't know, I didn't ever see therapists or have tools to yeah. have depression, you know? And so now there's all these tools. We have a toolbox, right? And
0: when they're practiced- When when you learn these tools and you practice them, then then the need and I'm talking from personal experience um, because I went in and out of depression in my twenties and thirties. And once I started to practice these kinds of tools of changing how I'm, first of all, becoming consciously awake. Okay, who am I and what what you know? Where is my truth within me? But Mm -hmm. the more you practice these tools, the less depression can Root in and take hold and run your life, and same with um, shame and guilt and fear. As you practice these tools that you teach Barbara and that I teach, it then you've then you've got. Um, I don't want to say an arsenal; that's a terrible old um, paradigm. But you've got the skill set. That's right. To then deal with and be proactive in your life and not a victim. Exactly. And maybe even
1: ask for support or be able to receive feedback, right? All of these things that, you know, don't separate you from the truth or separate you from the whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Barbara Dowse, thank you for joining me. Uh, Tell everybody your website. So if they want to contact you for speaking or, or to work with you as a client,
1: Yes, they can go to dot tircom and the TIR is for Thinking Into
0: okay. com.
1: Yeah, and those are the the mastermind groups that I lead, and then I do I do work privately, but I, you know, I I really like the group energy of people of consciousness, you know, interacting and interfacing with consciousness.
0: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. So, well, thanks for joining me today. This has been a really lovely conversation and I have a feeling we're going to be having more of it another time.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. You're
0: you're welcome. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our chat for today. Thanks for joining me. And if you want to learn more, go to SusanBurrell.com. You can contact me through the website. There's blogs for you to read. There are videos to watch. And remember, I am an intuitive healer and spiritual guide at the crossroads of life. And I would be more than honored to help you on your journey to live an empowered life. And so it is. Namaste.